BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today I look at a film that has been out for a while in theaters, but just started streaming. It's also a film with a good dose of early Oscar buzz, especially for its lead actress. It's a wild one. It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And a documentary that explores the uniquely American story of making bourbon, its colorful history, its quirky characters, all wrapped up in a cinematic bottle called Neat, The Story of Bourbon. I'm Smollier Haley Hamilton Cogill, and this week we are thrilled to talk bourbon instead of wine. Pairing neat with a tasty selection from outside of Kentucky, still Austin's cast strength bourbon. And Gary, I'm just, I'm so confused yeah. about yeah. everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, so I think the appropriate pairing for it is the Colorado River. What? A river and in America. And we're just going to explain that in a bit. But, Gary, you've got to explain this to me. Okay. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I've been reading about this film. I've never read a clear, concise description of the film. I've seen the trailer 20 times. It's made $100 million. It's the first $100 million movie for the for the company A24. They did Moonlight and won the Academy Award. They did Hereditary, a film that still scares me even thinking about watching it. But uh, and it's Michelle Yeoh who was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and has just had a, a great career. It's written and directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. They're called the Daniels. This is their second film, the first film I, I never even saw. But Pete Travers in Rolling Stone magazine says this. He says, "What a title and what a movie! Everything, everywhere, all at once. Probably the best movie of 2022 you've never heard of. Just drop everything and see it." Reduce the plot to a sentence, and it's, well, it's about a Chinese-American wife, mother, and laundromat owner, that's Michelle Yeoh, who's being audited by the IRS. So don't yawn. In minutes, writer-directors The Daniels uh, blast off into an absurdist comedy orbit that practically defies you to hang on. And it was hard to hang on in this movie. So I'm watching it, and I've read a lot of things about it that it's going to get meaningful. At points of the movie, you might even start crying. And so I'm watching it, and all of a sudden, those things, for me, started to happen about three-fourths of the way through the film. Because, to be honest, the opening of the movie and the opening scene is pretty much, these people are all sad. They're all a mess. It's a mother, a daughter, a husband, and a father. They're all in the family, and they all put each other down. And it's been handed down traditionally through that family. You know, they do a flashback of, her coming out of the womb at birth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, ah, you're a mistake. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be here. And you're, you're yeah, this. Sorry, you're a girl. Sorry, you're a girl. Mm-hmm. And and then 
in return, she starts treating her daughter pretty much the same way. You're fat. Mm-hmm. You're this. And the daughter gets in the car and starts crying. And you realize that there's somewhere this has to go. And where it goes is you have this, you know, being Michelle Yeoh, the, the center of the universe in this movie, um, starts mind tripping and starts traveling space and time. There's a matrix element to it. There's a spoof on Ratatouille, which is kind of funny. It's really risque in places. It's really dirty in places in a funny way. I think it's a really funny little it, – it's got so many setups and so many scenes that I don't know how they made this film for under $300 million, mm-hmm. but they did. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not a, a huge budget film and it's done really well. But the message I started to get from the movie is that sometimes you need to step out of your own life here – and, and see what you might be like somewhere else to come back and be grounded and change the way you act, change the way you parent, change the things that you say to the people that you love. That sometimes it takes, and this is just me, an out-of-the-body experience to find yourself grounded no matter how late in life and how and who you are. And this woman really loves her daughter. And this this marriage is very odd and peculiar to me because I don't know what character he is. Right. And he's a, he's the, a fascinating – yeah. And the husband's the kid actor. Yes. He was in Goonies. He was in Goonies. He, and I think he was in uh, Temple of Doom in Indiana. I think oh, he might maybe, be, yeah. I think he's the kid in that. Yeah. And now he's a grown-up. He doesn't look quite age-appropriate to all. you. At all. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I, but great. You know, go Michelle Yeoh. Well, it's a really in-your-face movie, and, and uh, I, I got really moved near the end of it. Uh, we were up kind of late, and, of course, we were pairing wine and drinking wine as, as we watched this. I, I probably need to settle down and kind of rewatch maybe the second half of this movie. Jamie Lee Curtis has a really interesting character in mm-hmm. it. She's the IRS agent, and she's evil and mean, but she's multiple characters. Everybody in this movie plays multiple Multiple versions in different landscapes and different lifetimes, different parts of history, different realms of themselves in different ways. You know, Michelle Yeoh is is a sad woman in this movie and feels really insecure and unaccomplished. But in her other realms, she's highly accomplished and does all kinds of things. And and I think by the end of this movie, just looks, it's really a mother daughter story to me. At the very end of this mm-hmm. movie, that she looks at her daughter and tells, "I'm your mother. I'll always be your mother." It's not about apologizing, but it's about starting to say the right things, and and not that they're going to wrap everything up in a big happy ending. But it 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 has some real meaningful moments because at the end of this movie, it's about family, and some people just need to change, and it takes a lot to change. It takes a lot for some people to change. And most most of us never really do. Right. Yeah. No, that's my take on it. But it's 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 interesting. I mean, I kind of took that took away from her whole character that she had aspired to be so much more. You know, the the flashbacks, yes, that she the first thing is, I'm sorry to tell you to her father that she's a girl um but she had this whole hope she she ran off with with the husband that no one approved of that they were going to have this wonderful life and she had all of these great aspirations and expected to have a life of fulfillment that gave and gave and gave only to find that she's living in a 
laundromat. (laughs) I mean, and and I took it then. And they all live upstairs. Right. And and all of this, all of these things that that she all of these adventures she starts to go on. I took away as not being as just being her fantasies as being her dreams. Mm. I think that's really interesting take on that. But I but again, I, I I. Oh no! I think that's, that's one of the best takes I've I've seen on that. I, I I don't understand all this. You know, the Matrix. I, I'm I'm not a fan of the Matrix. The first Matrix movie was great to me, but they spoofed that a lot in this movie. And and the whole the whole being able to transport yourself and get out of things and time tra- and do these right. tunnel you know into these weird tunnels with a lot of flashing lights and babies crying and all <laughs> kinds of weird stuff. And then all of a sudden you'll see something really crazy and offensive and wild and. Right. It's, it's real. It's you know. It's kind of like life. But um, I was moved. I was moved by it. I I I think she is great in it. I think this is a great performance because not only is it a physical part, it's a phenomenal physical part. There's a lot of martial arts in the film, and right? A lot of that, but it's just part of the genre of this. But there's there's also just a lot of deep searching and acting in this mm-hmm. film. She's great. She has just a great look on her face. You kind of see the world of sorrow on her face a lot, right? But when she lights up and loves her daughter, and the daughter's a really interesting character to me because the daughter is the daughter's good and bad and got all kinds of characters going on. She's she, I, don't, I don't want to give away the main character that she plays other than herself, but it's crazy and it's wild and it's interesting. So I'm going to, as I um, alluded to at the beginning, we're mm-hmm. going to uh, pair an entire river with this film. Do it because it's in the news a lot lately too. Well, and that's kind of, I think some of what you were just um, kind of saying is is the my takeaway. She thought she was going to have something that just gave and gave and gave, and I think that that's how we, um, as a world, not just a, a an American society, but I think um, internationally, globally, water. There is a water crisis, and yes, very um, recently, the Colorado River has been in the news quite a bit because the water rights in various states are are <clears throat> being restricted, and and so now people that and and what does that mean? That means that farmers aren't going to be able to to get water in in communities that previously had, but. It's a reality. We are, and we live in a drought society because of climate change. And yes. if someone doesn't realize that climate change is a real thing, then wake up. Because well, and what a weird problem to solve because we've known about this for a long, long time. Oh yeah, you can see the water line <laughs> decreasing. It's a thousand feet. Yeah, in some places, a thousand feet from and, the top of the hill. But I think we also, in the back of our minds, just think, oh, it's going to give and give and give. It's right. going to, you know, and all of a sudden, then you wake up and the things that you took for granted are gone. Well, and politically, we're just lazy. We just, we're not, you know, this was a huge thing that happened this last week um, as far as dealing with some of those things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the political fights between states and mayors and governors of the Colorado River. Right. And, Things that were promised, things that were promised to Native Americans that live on that property, you know, and, and God, I'll, I'll just never forget years ago, 
that first, when we first started bottling water, and I thought, why would why would we bottle? Why would you buy well, bottled I, water? Sadly, I only drink bottled water. Well, that, this was years ago. But that's because our water is is polluted. Yeah. And well, and I grew up in Oregon, and the tap water was great. right. So I, when we I used, of course, when right. we used to. And then when I moved away from that, and and I'm sure it's not as good as it used to be, but. But that just how I, it was it was hard, hard then. This is years ago to wrap my head around. Uh, and then companies that would sell you sell you water, bottle it and sell it to you. Why don't you just go get it out of the faucet? And now we pretty much, like you said, don't drink that. And we, we yeah, drink bottled water. I, and, I saw Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> you know, yes. I, yeah. There's stuff in our water, and, and there's there's acid in our rain. <laughs> you can't just put your, you know, go out in a rainstorm and 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 put your mouth up and and catch raindrops, which I remember doing as a little kid. In a you know in an odd movie connection, you know, the, everything everywhere all at once is you know what you aspire to be, and then what you're doing might be disappointed, and. And we think we we aspire, we just aspirationally think that water's going to last forever, and it's yeah, not. That's kind of my and, whole. And it's really dumb on our part to think that. Yeah, it's important. So I think that's a good pairing. I think that's a fantastic pairing. <laughs> it's a little weird as I drink my bottled water. I know, but yay, water, but man, it, uh, this is a global thing. I just look at, you know, not the. Not that we're cruisers, but you know, ships going down the oh my gosh. ships going down the Danube and ships going across Europe, and a lot of that's pretty might might not happen in the in the future. It's it's bad in places. I can't imagine what England's going through because they're not equipped just even right even to deal in an infrastructure to deal with all that. But yeah, it's a good pairing. Hey, when we come back on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing, a documentary about a spirit that's only made and distilled in America. The film is called Neat, the story of bourbon, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. So the other night we were looking for something to watch on TV. We do we that often. Often do. Right. <laughs> and... A fun documentary popped up, and it the timing was awesome because I was um, set to do a bourbon story. So this fantastic documentary called Neat, the Story of Bourbon became our viewing pleasure for the evening. I loved it. I did, too. I loved watching. I thought, I thought it, was it was really well done. Really well made. A lot of these talking head documentaries, whether it's about wine or spirits, Often or it's the same formula, you know. It's a talking head, and then it's we watch them do, do the whatever mash, they're doing. And we ferment. And, you know, it's kind of like going on a wine tour. We've yeah. been on a few of those, but it was shot really well, yeah. and it looked beautiful, and it was interesting to me because I didn't, I, I don't know a whole lot about bourbon, and and I feel like I learned a lot. Also, the whole idea of, of Kentucky being the center of the known universe in America, and I never knew that bourbon was. Particularly, just America. Oh yes, I did not know that. Oh yes, so I'll I'll dive into yeah, a little, fill me a in little on bourbon this. knowledge. Let's do a little and, bourbon knowledge. Well, and I I have I I've been writing a bit about whiskeys and now bourbons um, for a new uh, outlet that I'm writing for, Tasting Table, and um, bourbon in Kentucky have a very direct tie and there's lots of history as to why I can't quote the exact article off the top of my head but basically back in the day when settlers were when you know early 
American colonists and settlers were moving inland, um, Virginia, a, a part of Virginia was was cut off and it became Kentucky. And basically, uh, settlers were able to to go to Kentucky. And if you promised to build a house and plant a plot of corn, they initially you'd get your land for free. Yeah. And so all of a sudden there was this massive surplus of corn and um what's the line in Hamilton you know you you what are they going to do if you try to tax your whiskey <laughs> um Americans like whiskey or yes. the the new the uh, just basically all of these these settlers brought their dis- brought their stills and their knowledge of distillation to the new world and started making whiskey. And it started, um, parts of the country had barley and um, rye, parts of the country in the South, because corn became such, uh, uh, there was such a surplus of corn, started using corn. And the beauty of corn is that it's sweet. And so when you, when you, distilled corn into an alcohol. It wasn't as rough or as harsh or as intense um, as some of the other grains that you could use. Yeah, the fire water they were making. Well, and, yeah, I mean, and that then... That stuff can get really severe. So the interesting thing, I, I, I thought about this um, documentary and, and why it even matters. There, I mean, just a few small statistics. There are today... Um, over 700, almost 750 whiskey and bourbon distilleries in the United States. That's up 15% since 2001. Um, I, mean, I mean, 2021. 20, that's just in that's a year. That's in a year, yes. Um, wow. It's the uh, uh, Distilled Spirits Council reports that American, the American whiskey category accounts for over $4.5 billion in revenue for these huge business, massive business. Massive. Um, I liked how um, how David Altrajay, and I apologize for mispronouncing his name, um, defined bourbon because sometimes you see a lot of these stats and like these legal regulations and it's not very, it's, it's I don't know, it's a little like, over the top and you don't really need all of these stats, but he basically just laid it out as the ABCs. A, bourbon can only be American. That was a decree that um, the U.S. Congress said in the 60s that bourbon is a uniquely American product, and that's because there were some um, distilleries outside of Kentucky. 95% of the bourbon in, in the U.S. is made in Kentucky. 95%. And I think that's changing a little bit because that stat's been the same since like 1985 yeah, or something right. like that. Well, we know another state that's and, doing and, a lot. And, and, and other states across the country are, are making bourbon, but that's really why the, the Congress um, – said it was a uniquely American product because Kentucky wanted to say it was only a Kentucky product, and it's not. It, but you can't make bourbon in Ireland. You can't make bourbon in Scotland. You can't make bourbon in South Africa. Or Canada. Or anywhere. Just it, America. It, can be only, it only can be made in American. Um, it requires new charred oak barrels 
That gives it the flavor, correct? And all of the flavor really for the bourbon comes from the barrel. And the longer it sits in the barrel, the more flavor it's going to it's going to, to take. But the barrel has to be charred. It has to be charred. And that's part of the sea. Is if you didn't it? char the barrels, what would that taste like? I, I don't know. Well, it's kind of, I mean, it's, you know, you age wine in barrels and right. you... You know, you can toast a barrel there. That's part of the whole when you're making wine is how much toast do you put on on the barrel? And that's going to give kind of the buttery notes or that's going to give the spice notes. And basically the the char in particular, instead of just a light toast, is going to impart that intense spiciness and the the dried fruit characteristics the the kind of orange peel and and the literally very oaky characteristics i think some of the bourbons we've tried um as i was researching this article um that's we got a, we, cool. we 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 drank a lot of oak so charred <laughs> barrels so char so b barrel char is part of the C. C is also corn, so bourbon has to be f- at least 51% corn. Uh, not 100%. Not 100%. Has to be 50, at, 50, okay. at least 51%. And then he goes on um, to do like GD is distillation proof at 160. You know, Then you get into kind of some of the other statistics that aren't as, as exciting to talk about. But G I liked is that it has to be genuine. So you can't add anything to bourbon, whereas you can um, – you know, add some some if the if it's not quite sweet enough or it's not quite spicy enough in other spirits, you can add right. um, flavorings. But for bourbon, it's genuine without any additives or flavorings. And I think that why we why I enjoyed this doc so much is because it was very easy, you know, very understandable and laid out really nicely. But also bourbon makers are characters. And so and they're Southern and I, you know, we like to hear them talk about their passion. And they're mostly men. There were, yes, it's, yeah. it's still, um, in fact, one of the, the interviews I did um, and re- researching the story, I asked uh, uh, Milam Green, uh, Heather uh, Green, who's a master blender, from Texas. Um, they also actually, they make both Kentucky and Texas bourbon, but, um, you know, what's it like being in, in a female in such a male dominated industry? And she kind of came back at me. She's like, well, the fact that I have to answer that question and, and I yeah. totally get it. Right. And I, and, and I, you know, kind of apologize for having to ask it, but it's a question that you have to ask. And, and her whole thing is if I'm talking to you about being a woman that I'm not talking to you about, the success that we're seeing and the product that I'm making and the the story of the farmers that we get our grains from. And if I'm having to talk to you about being a woman, then I'm not talking to you about what's important. Right. And the, the master distiller in the movie from Kentucky, the woman, Marianne Barnes or yes. something like that. I was fascinated yeah, by her. Yeah, she was great. She was just kind of a kick-ass, yeah. get after it, really funny, interesting, What a, and, and just all for the industry. Man, I, th- I thought she was – and she's a big part of this film. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of was over the moon about her. I think she's interesting. It's, it, well, yeah. It makes me want to go on a Kentucky bourbon tour. Yeah. And then Texas. Well, and so oh. – but my – so we're going to get to – I think 
We can go anywhere you want to go. I well, let's get to um, our pairing. So we are going to pair from outside of of Kentucky, though, because the Texas bourbon market is booming. I remember we were at a Go Texan event in Dallas, probably I don't know, ten years ago, eleven years ago, and we tasted Balcona's um, Baby Blue Roasted Blue Corn Bourbon. And I remember thinking, this is cool. This is different. This is going to be a game changer. And they were actually one of the first Garrison Brothers in Austin is technically the first. Uh, Bacones is in, um, based in Waco. I think they started underneath an overpass. They in started under a Waco overpass. <laughs> and um, Wow. And have just boomed. I remember interviewing <clears throat> Herman Marshall when they began, Firestone and Robertson in Fort Worth when they began. And all of these companies have now are are now just thriving and booming. And I mean, Pernod Ricard came in in 2019 and bought Firestone and Robertson. So like they're hmm. these are these are big, serious businesses now. And more and more are are coming on. I think that of those, there are like 130 um, distilleries in Texas, in Texas today. And more and more and more are, are You couldn't opening. say that 20 years ago. Oh, you couldn't say that 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it really, it, it fires, or Garrison Brothers began in 2006. And wow, it's so new. In it's that so new. And so it's so interesting. Um, and I think why it's it's becoming such a success is that, as we said earlier, you know, you really get your flavor from bourbon in the barrel. And just like in scotch, just like in Irish whiskey. And so, you know, we think of some of the finest, say, single malt scotches are 10 12, 18, 20 mm-hmm. year old scotches. And, you know, like the 18, McAllen 18 is McAllen just that 18. little sweet spot. Almost uh, out of price range. <laughs> and it's expensive. And and you and you really get the the dried orange peel and yeah. the and the toasted um, toasted uh, nuttiness and and toasted spices in that 18 years old or 18 year old scotch and think about the temperature of Scotland as that barrel is aging now compare that temperature to Texas which is hot and in Scotland it is not exactly right. and so as as temperatures rise in a barrel anywhere in the world um, the liquid will expand, mm-hmm. and then as they fall, it will contract, and then it'll expand and contract. And, da, 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 da. and every time that happens, that alcohol is just seeping, is just taking in all of those yummy barrel characteristics. It sounds like it's aging faster. It is. Is that what it is? And so basically you're able to get like Kentucky bourbons, Tennessee bourbons usually, or Tennessee whiskeys are usually um, – you know, aged four to six years, that's kind of their sweet spot. You're able to achieve the same flavor that you can achieve in Kentucky and Texas in half the time. Wow, two years. Two to three years. Wow. And so you're we're seeing from these craft distilleries, and most of them are are pot still distilleries. So it's it's kind of a 
a very viscous, um, textured product that's being produced um, and aged 30 months Hmm. instead of, you know, 60 months. Um, Well, as a business, that's intriguing. It's absolutely. Because the turnaround's fast. And you're able to to, – get your yes get your product out to the marketplace that much faster and then have all of these different expressions you can do i mean you could you you can make a vodka as you're waiting for your bourbon to age which a lot of these producers have done um you can also then as your bourbon is going to hit the market sooner then you're able to explore other things like single malts and mm-hmm. and um, you know the cast strength and and some of these different variations on um, on kind of your main product. I'm fascinated by the corn because blue corn's different than yellow corn. So that was an, or white corn, right? And um, we're gonna. I mean, my pairing's actually still Austin's cast strength because I just really really enjoyed it. But there's another distillery in Texas called Iron Root that basically. They're based in Denison. It's two brothers and their mom, which I kind of love also, that are only using heirloom non-GMO corn. And they are doing that. So it's like red flint and golden blue or like some um, all of these different kind of heirloom corns that they've researched because they saw what Balcones was doing and they got so excited that they said, "Okay, let's do this here. And and Balcones is now bringing in different and, it uh, works. Corns and different strains. And all of these different, I mean, we think of corn as like, oh, that's that nice golden sweet stuff yeah. that, you know. Corn on the cob. <laughs> makes every makes just springs of summertime. Yeah, but blue corn tamales. Well, blue corn tortilla chips. Yeah. And, yes. and but then you, you just think about all the different flavors of all of these different um, grains and then you're also able to add in a little bit of barley and a yeah. little bit of rye. And that's the cool thing also. You know, 20 years ago, nobody was was growing barley in Texas. Rye wasn't being grown in, in Texas. It's And if it was, it was for feed instead of yeah. for a product. And that's a, a nice thing also. A lot of these um, producers are, are only using food-grade, chef-grade um, grains that they then turn around and take their spent mash, which is the stuff that that creates the alcohol, and turn that into feed. So something that that was going to probably be feed anyway gives us a really good whiskey first to then to then uh, you know help the environment. And a lot of the the distilleries are very focused on sustainability and and working smart and working clean. And that's where. Um, I think still Austin's such a cool one. So it's basically Austin's first um, distillery came together, a group of families. Um, They were very, very dedicated to doing everything on site, grain to glass, um, very local. Uh, They have a still named Nancy after the character in Attack of the 50-Foot woman yeah, because that, their still is 50 feet tall. Her name was Nancy. <laughs> and her name was Nancy. Um, and their cast strength, so basically it's the the alcohol strength is the same that it was when, when the bourbon was aging. It's not diluted down or anything, yeah. which you can uh, dilute uh, a whiskey down to with water. 
um, so it's about 119 proof. So wow. it's 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 big. We we enjoyed some the other night. The first aroma I got was this beautiful kind of dark it was chocolatey. So good. <laughs> Gary has the biggest smile on his face right now. It was very. You are a whiskey man, uh, but it also had these beautiful like toasted biscuits with honey and blackberry pie and maraschino cherry, but not like the 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 bad pink maraschino cherries no, go in Shirley no. Temple, but like the really good, you know. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it had that slow burn in your throat that I really love. Yeah. And you don't drink it fast. You sip yeah. it. And it lingers for a long, long time. And I couldn't quite figure out one of the flavors. I'm a big, um, like I love caramel. I love any kind yeah. of caramel and, and a lot of that. And you find that a lot. But when you described it as chocolate, I went, that's it. That's what it is. Yeah. It's dark chocolate. Or yeah. it's, and it wasn't It wasn't bitter. It was like it was no, creamy. No, it's so, perfect. It was, and ba- it just made me really excited about yeah. what Texas is doing now. So, and and because of of such growth, you can find a lot of these Texas bourbons nationally. Some are still very local, but some are getting out there, which is exciting. But a lot of those bars in Texas have them. Oh my gosh, yes. And also, if so if we we find ourselves in Kentucky, you know, I'm going to grab a bottle when I leave and maybe a bottle or two, somebody to give somebody yeah. else. And I think that's true about Texas and oh, this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and a lot because Texas laws are a little weird, you'd only be able to buy two in in various um, locations. No kidding. There is a a restriction on buying over two bottles within thirty days in any distillery in Texas. Oh, if you buy from the distillery, yeah, but not in a, not on the not store, a, yeah. That's just nonsense. It's crazy. That's just crazy. It's. I mean, I guess they're trying to to keep everybody from being alcoholics, and I do appreciate that. But if you're going to put that restriction on— That's a, a purchase and it's a bottle that you're not opening until later. Yeah. Well, if you're going to put the restriction— In theory. If you're going to put the restriction on the distiller, then you need to put the same restriction on the store. Right. Because otherwise you're yeah, just hurting your own local businesses. I agree. I've um, had lots of political um, statements today. <laughs> have, oh, yeah, but they're good. They're right on the mark. So we like we love the film and we love the bourbon. Yeah, we love what Texas is doing about we, that. Yeah, it's exciting. It's and, exciting to see. And w- once again, I uh, big fan of Marianne Barnes, the the female yeah. uh, master distiller. Um, wow, that's good time stuff. Wow, way to go! Well, next time on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. More films that make us think, and of course, make us talk. And paired with wines that do the same, well, even bourbon and water. And that are delicious to taste. (laughs) I can't wait, Gary. But for now, see what we're drinking now by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked and Gary at Gary Cogill. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. And I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. Aloha. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. 
nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.